Heartfelt singing. Uh, all right, don't relax. <laughs> You're now fed, maybe a little out of breath. As hard as it is to stay awake and alert on a Sunday afternoon service or Saturday afternoon service, it's hard for the preacher to look out and see you resting. <laughs> Bless his servant and his sheep to be awake to partake. Okay, <laughs> it's very been, it's just wonderful to have everybody. It's been a real blessing thus far. I'm going to ask Brother Philip, will you lead us in prayer, and then Brother David, just make yourself at home. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the sweet refuge we have in your house. Lord, we have a place to turn from the cares of this world come together with those of like faith and Lord to those that love our Savior Jesus Christ to be able to sing the songs of Zion, to be refreshed in our spirit the Lord to enjoy this sweet fellowship of thy saints and the Lord to know that you are our God mm -hmm. that you are our Savior and you, Lord, you deliver us in times past and whatever we may face in the future, you will deliver us again. And Lord, we thank you, dear Lord, for all the labor that's going into this meeting. And Lord, we ask you to bless each one that had a part. And Lord, we ask you to bless this church, to bless its pastor. The Lord, that uh, this congregation, dear Lord, might thrive under his labors. And the Lord, that he might which uh, be seen as a profitable servant to be mm -hmm. master in heaven. And that all things might be done to his honor and his glory. Mm -hmm. Father, we ask you to be with this young preacher as he goes before us this day. You blessed him last night and again this morning. But oh, Lord, we know this is a new time. He's in need, as much need of your Holy Spirit as in times past. Lord, do that spirit might move among us that we would be clear of thought 
and that uh, our minds might be focused on the message, that we might perceive that, dear Lord, that is intended for our hearts, and that all things, dear Lord, might be for your your glory and your honor. We say that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Appreciate you uh, staying for the afternoon service. I've certainly enjoyed my time here. Appreciate the invitation. Uh, gets me excited for next weekend because next weekend in Macedonia is our annual meeting. And um, it's uh, it was seven hours coming out here. It's seven hours the other way. Um, I'm not going to hold anybody to it, but just know you have an open invitation. Um, and we're really, really looking forward to that. Um, it'll be our first meeting in this this new date, the second weekend of November. And We'll be having communion that Sunday, and very excited for that, and a good good taste of this weekend, and gets me excited for next weekend, too, so uh, just know that you have an invitation to that if you want to drive our way. Um, actually, it's interesting, um, Highway 82 kind of... Um, Highway 82, so it's pretty easy to get there, actually. <laughs> Get on 82, go west, and you'll eventually arrive uh, in Starville and then, then Ackerman. But, um, but we, we've had a very blessed time and very thankful for the opportunity and chance to be here. Um, you can turn to Mark chapter 9 um, by uh, way of a different note. Um, you know, people have asked a lot of times, you know, who are the very elect? You know, it's possible. Deceive the very elect. And I tend to think it's the Saturday afternoon crowd, right? <laughs> in, in the annual meeting. So I'm glad to be preaching to the very elect <laughs> this, this afternoon. Uh, but I will try to be expedient. Um, and uh, hopefully we'll bless our consideration of, of these scriptures. It's actually... Um, um, actually the same circumstance, the same account that we looked at from Matthew chapter 18. And um, I want to look just briefly, highlight a couple instances um, of Jesus using uh, children as uh, the example for quite a few different things. And um, there's a reason why God set up His worship in the manner that He did in His church for... Um, but one of the main reasons is uh, it's Titus chapter 2 I believe where it says that um, the uh, if you're a little bit older the Bible calls you aged you know, not, old, not old but if you happen to be aged uh, the, the aged men and women uh, that you're commanded to instruct the, the younger men and women well you're not going to do that if you're in separate rooms and you're in, you know, separate, you know, Bible studies or Sunday school. Or, you know, if you're segregated, you can't do that. And there's a lot of value and wisdom, right, that the young people can glean from the older, more seasoned, um, aged people, right? Um, but also, we need to see the other end of the spectrum, which is that there's a lot that the more seasoned people can learn 
from the children, from the simplicity of the child's mind and, and you know, just the way that, you know, they don't, a lot of children don't overthink things the way that we do. So it's good to have conversations with children sometimes uh, because they can just literally just cut to the heart of the matter, right? Y'all know kids are brutally honest, for better or for worse, right? Um, but, but I say all that to say that God set up his church in that way so that the younger people, they can glean from the older people, from the aged people, but then also the other way around too. So we don't, don't need to miss the other half of that. So um, here in Mark chapter 9, again, the same account of them going to Peter's house and picking up the child, and he goes on, as we considered in Matthew 18, he goes on to expound a little bit more about forgiveness. Um, <clears throat> so he says here in Mark's account, and I referenced this earlier, <laughs> that we all kind of laugh together about. Mark chapter 9 and verse 33, they came to Capernaum. Jesus knew pretty well uh, what they were arguing about, what they were disputing about, but they held their peace, right? They didn't want to tell him <laughs> that they were arguing about which one of them was going to be the greatest in the kingdom. And they had disputed among themselves who should be the greatest. And then he came and sat down and he called the twelve, any man desire to be the first, uh, the, the same shall be last of all and the servant of all. And again, he gives this, this picture lesson. I love the way that Jesus teaches, um, you know, um, such as like the parable of the sower or something. I can just envision him walking by. It may not have been the case. You know, I think he taught these things probably multiple times. But I can just envision Jesus walking by a field right walking by a field and then him saying a sower went out John chapter uh, 14 to 16 and that final sermon that, that he was giving them and then at the end of John 14 it says they arose and they went out and then I just kind of tend to think again it's not there in the text but they left the upper room at that moment they're like in transit they're walking and then all of a sudden he starts talking about the true vine the true vine. And I just kind of tend to think that he was walking by a vine, walking by a vineyard, because that's how Jesus taught, didn't he? He pointed at things, right? He used the things that were around them. You know, they, they pick up a, a net, a, a fish in a net, so he taught them about fish in a net, right? And that's how he taught. That's how he taught. Um, so he does the same thing. If he's going to get children as the example, what does he do? He picks up a child, right? He I receive one of such children in my name receiveth me and whosoever shall receive me um, receiveth not me but him that sent me so when you receive that little child when you minister to that little child you're ministering to Jesus Christ now John the apostle John here um, says in response to this again you'd think he'd maybe be a little bit more reflective a little bit more solemn but what, is, what does John say in the aftermath of that? He says, Master, we saw one casting out devils in thy name, and he followeth not us, and we forbade him because he followeth not us. Now remember, John's one of the sons of thunder. right? He for us or you're against us. You know? And Jesus said things like that sometimes too. I mean, he, it's light and darkness, you know? Uh, very, very clear-cut 
message that Jesus delivered sometimes. And then John says, unfortunately, I think maybe here in a little bit of a braggardly way, uh, he says, aren't you proud of us, Jesus, for telling these guys off because they didn't follow us? You know, he's kind of bragging about it. He's like, Master, you know, yes, they're casting out devils in your name, but they weren't following us, so I chewed them out. Aren't you proud of me? <laughs> Aren't you proud of me that I did that? And now remember, remember, John says this while Jesus has the little bitty child in his lap, right? <laughs> now, that kind of line in the sand, you know, that kind of for us or against us, I don't really think you see that very prevalently in children. They're, they're very welcoming, right? Jesus goes on to say here to John, Forbid him not, for there is no man uh, which shall do a miracle in my name that can speak, uh, that can lightly speak evil of me. Is on our part. For whosoever shall give you a cup of water to drink in my name because ye belong to Christ, verily I say unto you, he shall not lose his reward. So Jesus kind of gives the opposite perspective. He said, you, you think that if you're not right here lockstep with me, if you're not doing exactly what I'm doing, if you're not replicating exactly what I'm doing, then you're against us and I'm going to draw that dividing line and I'm going to cast you out and you don't have anything to do with the Lord. He says, no, you're looking at it from the wrong perspective. Not that you have to agree 100% with me, and if you don't, then you're a false professor, you're a blah, 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 you know, whatever you want to do, insert right there. Instead, his perspective is, if you're not against us, you're for our part. In other words, the dividing line in the first century Jews, boy, it was pretty clear, wasn't it? Those Pharisees and the people that hated Jesus, they wanted to kill him. Like, it was, it was a very stark line but these are not men that were wanting to slay Jesus. They were casting out devils in their name. Now, they didn't have some knowledge that they needed. They didn't have some zeal that they needed, apparently. But he says, look. That they're against us. They're not against us. Okay? Now, think about a little bit of child. They're so welcoming, and they're, they're willing to play with anybody, you know, um, I'm sure I'm thankful to have as many young people and kids as we have had in the congregation this weekend. Um, but I think about my little nephew, Isaac. He turned seven this week, and he finds a and many kids are like this, but he, he finds a kid to play with everywhere he goes, everywhere he goes, you know. And uh, and many kids are like that because they just have an entirely different perspective than us adults get when we get jaded a little bit. You know, we talked about forgiveness this morning. When you get burned a little bit, when, when you have some, some friendships that dissolve, when you, when you have some challenges that, that um, start having adult problems, you know, have to think through some things. Sometimes you get a little bit jaded, and you're not as welcoming as you should be. Maybe not as forgiving as you should be. And I think this is one aspect in which we need to take on that mindset of, the humbleness, the humility of that little bitty child, and be be welcoming and loving to those who may be a little bit different than us. You know, they may do things a little bit different than us. The body of Christ has diversity in the body of Christ, right? And diversity is necessary <clears throat> because 
if you don't have diversity, it's not a body, right? It takes a multitude of different members and the diversity of the body to make a body. Otherwise, it's just a bunch of hands laying around. You know, that's just weird. So that's not a body. That's not a body. You see, diversity makes the body, but the diversity has to work together, you know? And I've also learned that there's diversity, again, the individual members of the body of Christ, particularly local assembly. But I've also learned there's a lot of diversity among churches, too. There's a different personalities of churches, just like there's different personalities of members in an individual local assembly. Uh, some people do things a little bit differently. Some churches do things a little bit differently. But guess what? We're all a part of the overall global body of Christ. And diversity is not bad. Diversity is not bad when there's unity. When there's unity. So the little bitty child mindset says, um, I'm willing to welcome anybody who's not against me. <laughs> and I think that that's a very good perspective for us to have. Now let's shift to a... Um, Actually, before we move on, um, he gives some very detailed language um, about offending some of these little ones. And certainly we think about these little bitty children. Um, you know, I, I think about a member, unfortunately, at, at my church. Thankfully, she's came back. It took her 30 years to come back. But, but I mean, this is not a five or six year old. This is a teenager. And there was the minister at, uh, at the church when she requested for baptism, being a 13, 14-year-old, she was told she was too young to be baptized. And I, I say this with all of the forgiveness and humility and love in my heart, I would love to punch that minister in the nose <laughs> for, for wasting 30 years of such a great member that she has been from such an unscriptural mindset. Yeah. Um, and it says, whosoever shall offend one of these little ones. You know, I don't want to do anything that is going to hinder a little bitty child that's been born again, that loves the Lord, that is seeking the Lord. I don't want to do anything that will be a stumbling block to anybody, but especially those little bitty children into pressing into the kingdom. Okay? But I don't believe this is solely speaking of everyone under a certain age. I think it's primarily speaking of babes in Christ. Mm -hmm. yeah. I mean, someone could be a 60-year-old person and be a babe in Christ, mm -hmm. and, and they're more sensitive, and they're more not as mature enough to be able to work through things. And once you have, you know, describes people um, as being strong in faith, and you need to help those that are a little bit weaker, that, that haven't had the maturity yet to be able to reason through things. Uh, well, over time, you build some of that maturity. Over time, you... You learn how to display wisdom in different circumstances. Um, but we need to have um, a real consciousness, I think, of bringing up children in the church, in our families, certainly, raising them in the nurture and admonition of the Lord as pastors, trying to instruct these young, young children. You know, he told... Um, Peter, to the first thing he told him in those three admonitions was to feed the lambs mm -hmm. first, right? Feed the lambs and feed the sheep and feed the sheep. So we don't need to be talking about, you know, all of these high-level doctrinal things all the time. we got to get it down where, this, where the lambs can feed. Mm -hmm. But I want you to understand that there could be a lamb in Christ, a babe in Christ, 
that could be 60, 65 years old. Okay? So we don't want to offend the little children in age, no doubt, right? But we also don't want to do anything that is a hindrance to those that are young in their spiritual walk, those that are young in spiritual maturity, the babes in Christ, for them to grow, right? We want to feed them, feed the lambs, and to feed the sheep. And then he just gives a very severe, I mean, really sobering warning if we offend one of these little ones. And this is just Jesus' words for you, okay? Whosoever shall offend one of these little ones that believe in me, it's better for him that a millstone were hanged about his neck and he were cast into the sea. If thy hand offend thee and cut it off, it's better for thee to enter into life maim uh, than two hands and go into hell. Uh, into the fire that shall never be quenched, for there the worm dieth not, and the fire is not quenched. He describes the same thing of the foot and the eye, etc., etc. And he's he's saying there that if there's something that's that's uh, causing you to sin, but also particularly in context, if there's something that is causing you to offend these little ones, then you need to take severe, drastic appropriate action to deal with that and he's speaking figuratively of even if it's necessary plucking out your own eye now that's figurative you know not cutting off your own hand we're not talking about sharia law or anything like that but that hurts mm-hmm. right he, he, he's describing the severity of what is necessary something that is uncomfortable something that's going to cause pain uh, something that's going to maybe even be a hindrance to you going forward. You know, you cut off your hand, well, I don't have that hand going forward. But it's better for you to be slightly inconvenienced in the long run than for you to be a detriment to the spiritual growth and maturity of these little bitty babes in Christ. Mm-hmm. And and the severity of the judgment for not doing that, he describes it to hell. He describes it to hell. And... Um, he describes uh, the unforgiveness as being in torment, right? That, that tells you how seriously God takes the, the care and protection of these, these little children. So um, let's go to Luke chapter 18. Luke chapter 18. <clears throat> and in verse 15. And they brought unto him also infants, that he would touch them. But when his disciples saw it, they rebuked them. You know, they, again, I think they just had this uh, bouncer mentality. And they're just, you know, we're, our, we're his bodyguards and, you know, nobody can touch him. And, and I mean, I, I get it. I mean, honestly, most of the time they, were, they had multitudes following them. You had these Pharisees that were trying to kill him. Hey, if I was in charge of security for Jesus, you know, <laughs> I'd be concerned that there was some Trojan horse Pharisee in the middle of that too. I mean, but they got they got really paranoid about that. Uh, but by the way, as a side note, I don't know if any of you have watched the the television show or the streaming app, whatever, however it's being uh, produced now, The Chosen. Um, I think it's a very good representation of Jesus and his apostles. As with anything, eat the chicken, throw away the bones. Um, but I believe, from my perspective, it's about the most authentic um, presentation of Jesus and his disciples. Most of the time, I'm totally against that stuff. Um, but I think it's it's a very 
beneficial thing if you're if you're interested in that they have an app and you can check all that out but uh, but I like how they have made Peter's character in that Peter is kind of like head of security uh, for Jesus and he's always concerned about the Romans you know he's always concerned about everybody getting too close and I kind of think that's probably an accurate characterization of Peter to a degree Peter and John you know they're the uh, they're the enforcers, and we can't let anybody get too close. But then they don't have enough ballots when they're bringing these little bitty children to Jesus. They say, no, 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 babies aren't allowed here, right? Uh, they, they got a little distracted. They got a little distracted. And, uh, I mean, could you imagine those moms, uh, those, those mothers? I mean, if I believe that this is God manifest in the flesh, right? And if I believe this is the Son of God, I want to take my little bitty baby to him, and it says here, bless him. It says in another of the gospel accounts that he prayed for them. I mean, I, I would love to have Jesus Christ be able to lay his hands on my little bitty baby and pray for him. <laughs> uh, and, and that was their desire. And then they get up there and the apostles rebuked them. You're not just like, oh no, we, we have a schedule, we don't, we don't have time, no, we're running a little bit late. They rebuked them, <laughs> a little bit harsh with them. And then Jesus says, he called unto them, Suffer the little children to come unto me, and forbid them not, for of such is the kingdom of God. Verily I say unto you, whosoever shall not receive the kingdom as a little child shall in no wise enter therein. Now, I want you to notice where this is sandwiched in right here. Um, Jesus had just finished delivering a parable that we know very well, verses 9 to 14, about the Pharisee and the publican. Okay? And the reason he delivered that, in verse 9, there were certain that trusted in themselves that they were righteous and despised others. Despised others. So, the Pharisee is very self-righteous, he's very haughty, but he also looks across the courtyard of the temple and he sees the publican and he says... I'm so glad that I'm not like that guy. I'm so glad I'm not like the, the publican. It's one thing to be self-righteous, but it's another thing to puff yourself up to such a degree and then tear down the other people around you, too, especially when he's the one who's actually being righteous, smoting, uh, smoting on his breast and saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner, right? But you see the self-righteousness and the pride that that Pharisee is exhibiting and then, right after that, is when Jesus says, suffer the little children to come unto me, right? Jesus said in that earlier account that you need to be, unless you humble yourself as a little child. So, a child is described as being humble, right? Would you agree with that? That most children don't have um, as high of a view of themselves as we do when we get to adulthood. <laughs> you know, pride's more of a learned trait. Now, now I understand, you know, they're still sinners. So y'all are still sinners, you know. Um, and all that's in the world is the lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, pride of life, you know. I know y'all are pride too, you know, in your nature. But, but at the same time, I think as a, as a whole, children aren't generally as prideful and as judgmental of others as adults are. Do you agree with that? And I think he's using him them again here as an object lesson to say this is a bad example of pride 
self-justification of um, despising others because you think that you're better than them. Look at this little bitty child. Look at the humble mindset of this little bitty child. Um, There's quite a few things that we could mention in relation to this, but this was um, one word that kept coming to mind as I was thinking about this. Uh, children being unpretentious. And pretentious, the um, root word of that would be pretend to portray something that's inaccurate, right? Unpretentious or pleasantly simple, not attempting to impress others by pretending to be something else. You know, children are... They are who they are, <laughs> right? They're not trying to put on a show for anybody. Uh, the Pharisee, you know, he wanted to pray and give alms in the streets where everybody would see him, so everyone would heap praise on him. You don't see too many children trying to do that kind of stuff, right? Because they're unpretentious. Now, unpretentious means the opposite of this. So pretentious means attempting to impress by affecting or portraying greater importance than is actually possessed. Mm -hmm. So unpretentious is the opposite of that, (laughs) right? It's not trying to portray yourself as better than someone else. And children are typically very authentic. As you know, they are brutally honest. (laughs) Uh, There is many times not a filter uh, about the honesty and the the, uh, the setting, they don't they don't have as much social awareness. <laughs> to to there's a place for honesty, you know, uh, but there's also maybe times that let's not be honest, brutally honest, in this moment, right, <laughs> with these people around. Uh, but there's a a simplicity, I guess, a simplicity of the mind of a child that I think is to be emulated. Okay, so now, right after this, okay, so before it, you have the pride and the self-justification of, of the Pharisee, and then right after this, you have the rich young ruler, okay? So he says, Suffer the little children to come unto me, and forbid them not, for of such is the kingdom of God. And he uses the language earlier, that unless you become as a little child, you will not enter into the kingdom of heaven. And that was the rich young ruler's problem. Is he, he was having some hindrances of him entering into the kingdom of heaven. And we're told in Mark's account that God loved this man. So if God loved him, he's a child of God. Okay? However, he had some adult problems that were preventing him from being converted and entering into the kingdom. And what were those adult problems? For him... It was his wealth. Now, some of you may not have that problem. <laughs> but um, it says of this man, you know, what good thing can I do to inherit eternal life? Well, there's nothing you can do to gain an inheritance. You have to be chosen by someone else to be an, to be an heir. Um, so he asked the wrong question. We can't do anything to gain eternal life. And Jesus uh, begins to just tear him down rung by rung. You know, uh, obey the law. Of course I've obeyed the law. Of course I've obeyed the Ten Commandments. I've done all that from my youth. 
And, well, he thought that he had. The, the last commandment is the one that he was struggling with, which is, thou shalt not covet. Mm. I don't think he realized that. He didn't realize that he was struggling with covetousness. Um, but then he gave the summary statement that I think um, could be made, statement could be made of all of us as well. He said, one thing thou lackest. One thing thou lackest. There's always something. <clears throat> There's always something in each of our lives, and maybe more than one thing for you, you know. But at a minimum, there's always something that is hindering us from full-hearted discipleship. And for him, for him, it was his prosperity. It was his wealth. He was rich, his riches. And this man who Jesus loved, who he had been called upon to follow Jesus, because he couldn't have that childlike mindset to not worry about that. He wasn't willing to let go of his riches, and he went away sorrowful. You know, it says in First um, Timothy chapter 6 that love of the minds root of all evil, and some have pierced themselves through with many sorrows. That rich young ruler, isn't it sad to think about someone... Um, you know, someone is physically choosing to hurt themselves. That is an indication of a confused mindset. Okay? So, in a spiritual sense, if someone is choosing to pierce themselves through with many sorrows, that's a very bad indication of the spiritual state of that person. And what's so sad about it is they're doing it to themselves. Mm -hmm. Right? They're doing it to themselves. They're piercing themselves through with many sorrows. And it's as if that rich young ruler had the opportunity to give that up, to, to, to liberate himself of, of the bondage of that. And instead, he chose to go home sorrowful and to pierce himself through with many Because for him, the love of money was the root of all evil for him. You know, it wasn't wealth. It wasn't the amount of money in the bank. It wasn't the amount of assets. It was the love of money. It was the covetousness mm -hmm. of that money. And he went away sorrowful. He went away sorrowful. Now, do you think that children are too concerned in the big scheme of things with accumulating wealth as opposed to fellowship? I, I say, um, if you offer a child, a young child, you know, I can give you... Because money just doesn't mean as much to them. They don't have as much um, frame of reference, I guess. And if you offer them, you know, $1,000, or do you want to spend time with your dad going fishing, you know? But what's more important to the child? Well, it's not, the money's not that important. It's fellowship with my father, mm -hmm. right? It's fellowship with the people that I love and that I challenging doesn't it right uh but that childlike simplicity where you know they're not that concerned about the love of money are they no they're they're concerned about fellowship with their father right they're concerned about fellowship with their mother and with their friends you know so the rich young ruler if he could be like a little bitty child I, he would be willing to let go of that i think he would be willing to let go of those uh, adult hindrances for him to press into the kingdom 
And um, it makes some references uh, in other places that this rich young ruler, he like ran up to him. So again, I think it's very possible um, that as Jesus was blessing these little bitty infants, saying, suffer the little children to come unto me, if such is the kingdom of heaven, need to be converted as a little child to enter into the kingdom. While he's blessing these little children is when the rich young ruler runs up and you have this interaction. (laughs) And he should have been able to look at that little bitty child and say, man, Jesus is touching him and praying over him. But yet he chose to go away sorrowful because he was too concerned about his possessions. (laughs) He should have took a second look at that little bitty child, right? The little bitty child was not concerned about all of those things. And I think it hindered the rich young ruler from pressing into the kingdom and enjoying the privileges of the kingdom of heaven. Instead, he pierced himself through with many sorrows. Um, Let's conclude by going to uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 14. Um, Just because we have this example of um, childlike humility and childlike forgiveness and childlike unattachment to riches, uh, et cetera, et cetera. Um, Just because Jesus gave the example of his children doesn't mean we need to be childish. We need to be adults. We need to make adult decisions. And um, he actually rebuked the uh, people in Hebrews, um, speaking in a spiritual sense, that you should have been maturing more. You know, I wanted to teach you more. Uh, There's some things that I think you really need to know, but you're not mature enough to understand them. You should have been maturing to such a degree, um, but instead, you're still a babe in Christ and you're not ready to partake of the the meat, yet you're still partaking of the milk. Okay, so we need to mature spiritually, right? And just as a side note, it's, it's very interesting to think about all the different times about how Jesus... And, and the Holy Spirit in the New Testament uh, describes God's children as being babes, right? Babes in Christ. And um, how uh, God hid these things from the wise and prudent, but revealed them unto babes. Uh, it's a very good study if, if you have time to, to map this out in the New Testament. All of the different references to young children being the example of discipleship in a lot of different ways. <clears throat> and in 1 Corinthians 14, in verse 20, Brethren, be not children in understanding. Okay, so you need to mature, right? You don't need to, don't need to stay on that milk of the Word. I mean, you would be very concerned about a child that age-wise, you know, if you've been in the church for 20 years, what would you be concerned about a, a 20-year-old? First of all, you wouldn't even get to full maturity if you didn't, in a physical sense, you wouldn't even get to what a normal 20-year-old would look like if you're still partaking of milk. No, you got to eat some real food. you got to eat some meat, right? And if you don't, you're going to be malnourished, okay? So we need to be progressing. We need to um, be partaking of more meat as we grow in spiritual maturity. <clears throat> Brethren, be not children in understanding. We need to be growing in, in that. But in malice, be ye children but in understanding, be men. Right? Like we said earlier, um, the forgiving nature of children and malice. Now, <laughs> you, you can see kids 
showing some malice one, one to another from time to time. Uh, however, the general disposition of, of children uh, will be very kind and be very gracious and unpretentious and, and, and ultimately, even if they have some malice and some conflict, it's very for a very short period of time, right? They forgive one another quickly. They restore fellowship. <laughs> you, you don't agree with Elliot? <laughs> He's too adult-like. <laughs> uh, well, I, I'm sure none of the Mosley boys have any malice. <laughs> Would you like a rebuttal to that? Uh, anyway, good to know you're paying attention to the afternoon service, especially the young children. So, um, I, I've had a, a privilege to be here. You know, I think the Spirit's blessed our time together. And uh, good to meet many new faces. And I appreciate the opportunity to be here. And I pray the Lord will richly bless you. And, and pray for you. I pray for your pastor. And pray God will bless his ministry in this area. And the church as a whole, your ministry to the community that you serve. Mm-hmm. And God bless you. Amen, brother. That was a, that was a treat. Um, I'm going to invite you and Sister Bethany to come up here. And we're going to strike hands.